Good morning. I'm going to stay down here again today. Well, who had a good Christmas? If you're not a kilo heavier, then you didn't do it right. Well, good job for making it here today. No, that's not going to lean up. <laughs> I think Charles likes his iPad more than I do. There we go. Might just need to come up a bit higher for you. Fiddle, fiddle. I think he's got to do that part there. Well, good job for making it today. I know we've got a lot of people out traveling at the moment, continuing their uh, Christmas celebrations. And we know that there's people here today who need to disappear quickly after the service is done. I might just take two hands to tighten this. Um, and so the people in charge of rostering uh, today's service knew that if we were going to get out of here on time, um, they needed to be strategic about who they actually asked to preach um, today. So that's why I'm speaking. Um, a man, a few words is a title I've received on numerous occasions. So you can all breathe a little bit easier. We'll be out of here um, before too long. Um, but as you read the Bible, you see uh, Jesus. He goes by uh, many different names. He's called Christ, Lord, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Light of the World, the Lamb of God, the Prince of Peace, the Word, and the list goes on and on. Um, but as we've celebrated and continue to celebrate Christmas, um, the name we've been hearing a lot more of is the name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I think if you were to summarize the uh, whole Bible into three words, I think God with us wouldn't actually be a bad way of going about it. You see, right from the very opening chapter of the Bible, we read about the story of creation. Uh, the very first story where God establish, establishes this perfect relationship between us and Him, a relationship so, so close that God Himself would actually dwell in the garden alongside Adam and Eve. You see, God's intention right from the very opening of our history was to be in a close and intimate relationship with his created people. Um, but we know because of our sin, things didn't last that way for very long. Uh, in fact, in just the third chapter of our Bibles, we see this uh, separation formed between God and us, uh, a separation that was caused by our sin and disobedience uh, towards God. And if we're being honest with ourselves, that's probably where the Bible should have ended right there in Genesis chapter 3, where we chose to reject God as our king. Like, that was the actual logical place for our story with God to end. But fortunately for us, the Bible goes on beyond Genesis chapter 3, and for the rest of the Bible, um, we get to hear of this amazing love story of God time and time again positioning himself to be with us, God with us. We get to read stories of uh, God establishing covenants with his people, or in other words, re-establishing the relationship with the very people who rejected him. We get to read stories of God saving his people over and over again, only for these same people to reject him as their king over and over and over again. I don't even know if that's going to stay up. Anyways, if you read the Old Testament, I'm going to make a quick swivel. Because that's going to fall a few times otherwise. But as you read the Old Testament, um, we have this constant theme of a God who's so 
mightily jealous for his people. A God who is so merciful and patient, a God who desires to be the God of his people. Um, but we have this uh, other theme that's running tandem throughout the Old Testament, a theme of constant rejection again and again. In the Old Testament, it was actually stuck in this cycle of God restoring the relationship between him and his people, only for his people to break that relationship again. And clearly something had to change because we as humans, we simply could not be trusted to uphold our end of the relationship with God. Something had to change. And so Isaiah, he foretold of this uh, virgin who would conceive and give birth to a son and would call him Emmanuel. That's the Christmas story we've been reflecting on um, this week uh, in the month leading up. Um, in the Gospels, we learn that God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son, God himself, who became our flesh. And as Dan shared um, last week, you know, this almighty God who created everything actually became part of the creation. This almighty God who was above all things was born in a stable. Um, this almighty God, he became a lowly servant. He became a child and this child was born in Bethlehem and he would be the one to go on to save everyone that would call on his name. That's the Christmas story, the story of Emmanuel, God with us. And as I've been reflecting on this story um, this week, I've been reminded of David's words uh, in Psalm, Psalm chapter 8. Um, from verses 3 and 4, it says this. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Now, who are we that God in all his splendor and glory and majesty would care for us, insignificant, sinful people? Who are we that the one who set the stars into the sky, who spoke the oceans into existence, who breathed life into dust, who holds the entire universe in the palm of his hand? Who are we that that would be the same one that would step out of heaven and make his dwelling among us? It's the kind of love that's actually incomprehensible to us, but it's a theme we see throughout the entirety of the Bible that our God is a God who is jealous for his people, a God who desires that none should perish but have eternal life. So that's what I want to look at uh, quickly this morning, the God who is jealous for his people. And there's a parable uh, that Jesus told that helps us to catch a glimpse of that jealous love that God has. It's the parable of the uh, wandering sheep, uh, one I suspect a lot of us are very uh, familiar with. Um, so let me read it out says, for the Son of Man, this is Jesus speaking, he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Um, I've been in church for this church for almost 25 years, and I can't think of a time we played a game during the sermon, um, so things have to change. Um, we're going to play a game. Finding missing things is a lot of fun. Um, the Good Shepherd was able to do it with 100 sheep, so I've got 100 items that are going to appear on the screen. I need you guys to memorize them. I'll give you a few seconds because I'm going to put some game show music on as well. So have them memorized. And what's going to happen is the screen soon will go green. 
An item is going to disappear. We'll give them a bit longer, I reckon. An item will disappear, and you guys need to figure out which item it is. It's only 100 items, so it should be pretty simple. You guys are really concentrating hard. <laughs> no, 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 I haven't taken one away yet. So this is the original 100, and something's going to disappear. Is the music coming out? No. Oh, good. We don't need music. It's not that one. All right. We're going to take that away. You guys have way too long. All right. It's going to come back on, and whoever can shout out what's missing, go for it. All right, what's missing? Oh, yeah, Sam knows what's up. Of course, it's the sheep that's missing. There's, there's a missing sheep. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, I foreshadowed it a little bit with the story. Um, but now, in all seriousness, we're going to play a game. Gonna make it a little bit easier, a few less items than 100. Sam's the one to be at the moment. We're gonna, um, we're gonna have a game. Yeah, I, mean, we can, I can go back and prove it if you want. It was on the very left, middle. Here we go, there it is. This is the sheep, he wandered off a little bit, went missing. Did the seven move? Ah, oh, it does move. That's really odd. <laughs> How'd you notice that? <laughs> All right, I need everyone to stand up. We're going to play games. We're doing honesty systems. We're in church. Um, we're going to play a little bit easier. We're going to start with an easy one. Some items are going to pop up in a second, and then it's going to disappear. Play the same thing. Don't shout it out this time. But if you knew what was missing, you can stay standing up. If you missed it out, then you've got to sit down. Right now, Taylor is in the kitchen making some popcorn. And whoever is the last person standing gets to eat popcorn for the rest of my sermon. So high stakes. All right, let's have a look at the first one. Have a quick memorize. All right, we'll take that off. We'll see what's missing. All right, Charles, you're out. That was, the, that was the one that everyone was meant to get, like, a confident booster because everyone was like, ah, oh, clearly it's a donut. All right. Do you guys understand? All right. Let's go for the next one. It's the food round. 
Uh, take it away. I'm going to leave it green for a few more seconds. You guys can't, like, mentally remember. How long is that? How long is it? Seven seconds you can hold something in your short-term memory. All right. I think it's been seven seconds. All right, let's... If you know what was missing, you can stay standing. It's the honesty system. If you really want popcorn, just stay standing up. It was the apple. <laughs> it was specifically the non-yummiest thing. All right, next round. It's a bit harder. We got the animals. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, I'm going to give it 10 seconds. All right, let's bring it back. If you know what's missing, you can stay standing. Good job, Charles. Ooh, we are clearing out. We got three people left by the looks of it. Dana's always winning all the games at youth, so we could, we could be seeing a bit of a repeat at church as well. All right, it was the cat. The cat was missing. All right, next round. It's getting harder. It's getting harder. I'll give you a few extra seconds. All right, let's take it away. Give it a few seconds. All right, see what's missing. Do you guys know? No, we've got a tie. All right, we're going to go, you two come back up. Charles recognizes what it was, but he's already out, so it doesn't matter. But what was it? I don't think so. It was the face mask. <laughs> All right, you two come back up. All right, we'll go to the next one. It's the same group of items, so hopefully it makes it a little easier, but a different item's going to disappear soon. Taylor is ready with some piping hot popcorn. <laughs> All right, let's take it away. Give it a few seconds. All right, and reveal. Do you guys know what's missing? Dana, you reckon you know what's missing? All right, let's hear it. Is it the lawnmower? It is. Dana takes out the W. Dana recently won a movie gift voucher as well at Youth. All right. Cool, a bit of fun. We're going to get back into the parable of the wandering sheep. I'm going to read it out again to refresh the memory. It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. What I love about this parable is that it demonstrates the value that God actually places on the individual. It shows the heart of God that desires that all should be found and none should perish. It depicts the jealousy of his love. 
Is it good, Dana? This is what you missed out on, everyone. In verse 11, we see that the reason Jesus came and he became flesh and he dwelled among us was to seek and to save the lost. Everyone say, seek. It's always the hard one, the first one. Everyone say, seek. Everyone say, save. He came to seek and to save. Before I was reading from uh, Psalm 8, where David, when he meditates on the uh, and considers the glory and the majesty and the power of God. He wonders why this almighty God would be mindful of man. And perhaps the reason why is simply because God is love. Perhaps it's because as the creator, he can't actually help but overflow with love for his creation. And in the same way, Jesus is the good shepherd. In the jealousy of his love, he can't help but to fiercely protect and care for his flock at all costs. In John chapter 10, Jesus says that he isn't like a hired man that gets paid to look after the sheep, but he actually doesn't have any care for them. No, Jesus says that he would actually give up his life for his sheep. He knows his sheep by name. He isn't concerned about his own well-being. He loves his flock so much that he would actually give up his life for them. And it's in this parable of a shepherd and his flock that we actually see a shadow of the unfathomable, impenetrable love that God has for mankind, those that he created. Isaiah 53, 6, um, we've heard it a few times last few weeks at church, it says we're all like that sheep that has wandered off and gone astray. You know, each of us has wandered away from the care of the shepherd. We've all chosen to live our life our own way for our own selfish ambitions and selfish gains. And we've all sinned. And in Isaiah 53, 6, it says that God actually takes all of that sin off of us as the wandering sheep, and he actually places it on Jesus. So not only is Jesus the good shepherd who is willing to give up his life for his sheep, he's actually willing to give his life for the sheep who have made their own decisions to leave that shepherd. He's willing to give his life for us who have rejected him. You know, it's easy to love someone who's good to you. It's not as easy to love the ones that reject us, who hurt us. You know, it's easy to love the cute little puppy who can do no wrong, but it's not as easy to love that cat that pees on all the furniture, scratches everything up. But that's the kind of love that Jesus has, that he's willing to die for those who have made themselves his enemies, for the sheep who have wandered away. Why? Because Jesus, the good shepherd, he has a jealous love for his sheep. The creator has a jealous love for his creation, such as the jealousy of God that he sent his son Jesus to seek out and find the lost, to be our Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus, when he notices a sheep uh, missing from his flock, he's actually willing to go out and look for the one that wandered off. A couple of years ago, I was at uni. Um, it was exam season. I had an exam later in the day. Um, so being the good student I was, I came in Nice and early, probably like six hours early, just to study uh, with my friend. Uh, so we were studying the whole day, uh, got to the point where it was almost time for the exam. So we we're kind of like packing up all our things, ready to um, enter the exam room. Um, and while I'm packing up, I noticed I couldn't find my keys, my car keys. Um, and so I'm looking everywhere, I'm checking my pockets, you know, I'm checking my bag, I'm emptying the whole thing out, looking along the floor, kind of retracing my steps a bit checking the pockets again, because sometimes they appear there after the first time they weren't there. Um, so I'm looking, I'm looking, can't find it, starting to stress out a little bit. 
Um, and my friends now starting to get involved, um, trying to help me find my keys. And eventually it's kind of like, you, you wouldn't have left them in your car, right? Surely you wouldn't do that. And I'm thinking, oh, of course not. Uh, but, you know, I'm getting a little bit desperate. I can't find them anywhere. So I'm waltzing back onto the um, car park, hurrying along. I find my car, and lo and behold, in the ignition are my car keys. The only reason I'm happy to share that this morning is because my parents aren't here. Chloe, if we could keep that quiet. Um, but when I found my car keys, there were two overwhelming emotions. The first one obviously being uh, the guilt and embarrassment of being so irresponsible, leaving my car there, just inviting someone to steal it. Um, but the second emotion being this overwhelming joy and relief. I found my keys that were lost, and I called my mate. I exuberantly told him I found my keys, and we celebrated, and then we did another exam. But in this parable of the lost sheep, the wandering sheep, you know, the shepherd is happier about finding the lost sheep than he is for the 99 who did not wander. You know, I wasn't feeling tremendous joy because I still had my student card, I still had my laptop. Um, I wasn't feeling tremendous joy about those things because I hadn't actually lost those things. I always had those. They were with me the whole time. But my car keys, they were lost. So when I found them, joy inundated my soul. Now, how much more joy does our God, who is love, have for you as his creation? When you make that decision to return to his flock. Luke chapter 15, verse 7, it says, Jesus says this, I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You know, when you make that decision to let Jesus be your shepherd, he rejoices over you. He forgives you of all your sin, he makes you white as snow, and he gives you new life. So there's two quick and simple points I want us to take away out from this morning. The first one is this. Remember that you were once that shepherd, that sheep that had wandered away. You were once that sheep that because of your choices and actions, you had left Jesus as your shepherd. You decided you didn't need him. You'd incorrectly thought the pasture was greener on the other side. You know, but Jesus, he left the 99 to seek and to save you. He came to earth, lived a perfect life, the only person to have ever lived who was not deserving of any death or any kind of punishment, but he traded places with you and me so that we who were deserving of God's wrath might be saved, and he who knew no sin became sin for us because such is the jealous love of our God for us. The God who has eternally positioned himself to be God with us, that he would give his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So we're going to take communion now. Put mine over here. Um, we're going to take communion as we kind of remember the story. So if you haven't got one of these, just chuck your hand up. We can get one to you, but looks like we're all good. I'm sure you know the drill. Cracker on top, juice on the bun. remember the price that Jesus paid to bring us into the flock. You know, Jesus, he didn't just poetically go waltzing along luscious green hills to find a cute little sheep that had gone walk about. He suffered immensely. So as we eat the cracker in the top layer, let's remember his flesh that was broken for us.
And as we drink the juice, we remember the blood that Jesus poured out for us. Now, perhaps you're here today, um, you are that wandering sheep still. You know, you've heard about Jesus' love for you and you're ready to come back home. You know, why not let today be that day you come home to Jesus? You know, if you do want to make that decision to stop wandering and come home to Jesus, then please come uh, speak to either myself or come speak to Pastor Nath after the service today. You know, like the heavenly hosts up in heaven, you know, we'll rejoice over you and we'll help you make sense of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But the first takeaway from today is to remember that you were once that sheep that had wandered away. And secondly, the second point I want us to take away, we should have the same heart for the wandering sheep as Jesus does. You know, I imagine the 99 sheep in the story, they were enjoying being in the flock, they were enjoying being under the protection of the shepherd, they're all best friends, content with life. And I think in the same way, if you've been a Christian a long time, you can kind of slip into, uh, I guess, simply enjoying being a part of the flock, knowing that you're safe. And we can kind of forget that there's still wandering sheep out there, wandering sheep that Jesus actually gave up his life for, you know, these wandering sheep that Jesus still yearns for. And God has given us the opportunity to seek out the lost and help bring them back home. You know, we can't just sit inside the four walls of this church and kind of expect that they're all just going to come wandering back in. Well, let's pray that God does that. But we need to go out beyond these four walls. We actually need to have the same heart of Jesus. He actually went out and he actually sought out the lost. And we do that wherever we are in our day. Whether you're at work, whether you're at the shops, whatever it might be. Whether you're on holidays in the next few weeks. Go out and seek the lost. It's going to require a bit of effort, a bit of courage, a bit of prayer. But that's what it looks like to have a heart for the wandering sheep. So make sacrifices in time for others. Step out of your comfort zone. Pray that the Holy Spirit would replace the apathy in your heart with love. You know, the parable of the wandering sheep, it's both a story pointing us towards God's jealous love for His created people. But it's also an example for us to imitate as we seek out the lost in our world. And I really think that's such an important mandate that we have as Christians, to not get content just being a part of the flock, not going through the motions of turning up to church on a Sunday, but to have the same heart for the wandering sheep as Jesus does. And just know you'll never, you'll never be able to match that heart. But we can at least try. I'm going to pray for us. Lord God, I thank you so much that you are the good shepherd. Jesus, I thank you that you came, that you died, that you rose again. Lord, that we might be able to come back into that flock. But God, we don't want to pretend that we're, you know, worthy of that love, that we did something to deserve it, Lord God, but it was completely just your grace and your love 
the jealous love that you have for us, that you would bring us back. Lord, we want to remember that. Lord, we're in awe of that. Father, I pray that you'd given us a heart that wants to see other wandering sheep come as well. Father, I do pray that you would bring wandering sheep back into this, into this church, Lord God. Lord, would you help us be people who actually go out and seek those people? Father, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. I love you, Lord God. Amen.